0: Today's September 11th. It's been 22 years. Look at that. 22 years.
1: Incredible. It does not feel like that long ago. No. And you realize, like, even looking back at some of the footage, you know, it doesn't, it's not an HD. You know what I mean? It's like, you could tell it's yeah. old. The People are dressed ways that seem like they're old-timey, you know, uh, New York business person attire. And it's like, You realize how long ago it was and, and how difficult it's going to be. For people to remember the lessons that we learned after that.
0: Yeah. It seems like a lot of people have forgotten already. Yeah. Well, we're going to help you remember some of those things or invite you to share it with your kids so they understand what happened. Um, We have that. We also talked to the Missouri uh, AG who has just won another suit against the White House on its positioning with uh, social media. Also, speaking of AGs, we also will tell you about the amazing impeachment trial. It sounds more like a kangaroo court here in Texas to impeach the attorney general. It makes no sense. You need to be aware of it. If this is happening in Texas, God only knows what's happening in your state. All this and more on today's podcast brought to you by Relief Factor. Uh, I have uh, Bob Bibbertson uh, with us now. And, Bob, you are suffering from pain in uh, in what what part of your... Uh, gluteus. In your... Gluteus a. minimus. Gluteus minimus. Yes. Where is... The, I know the maximus is You don't G. want to know where it is. Wow. Okay. So you have pain there. Oh, yeah. And uh, you've had it for a long time. Uh, yes. Uh, 413 years. Well, so you're an older... Child. I am older. That's... Uh, Relatively, oh. but I'm young at heart. Right. Okay. So have you tried getting, you've tried everything? I've tried
1: everything except relief factor. And uh, the reason for that is I heard Glenn Beck speaking about relief factor, so I immediately dismissed it. I don't. I uh, I uh, thought it would is probably made of poison, but <laughs> apparently I'm being told now that it is not, and it actually right. helps people. Okay. So have you
0: tried it? I have not yet. You have not yet? No. Should I, can I, can do you have some? I could, I, well, I here, can here snag. Some, where, because... where do I go to get it? Well, you just go online to relief. Really factor.com oh okay or you can call them at uh 1-800 the number four relief do i have to type in the the letters that spell the number t-h-e-n-u-m-b-e-r no, N-U-M-B-E-R. it's relief feel the difference you're listening to the best of the Glenn back program The governor of New Mexico said she expects legal challenges, but was compelled to act because of recent shootings, including the death of an 11-year-old boy outside a minor league baseball stadium this week. She said the state police are going to be responsible for enforcing what amounts to civil violations. I urge the state police. In New Mexico and every state police officer, every local police officer, every sheriff, please reread your oath, read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and also read ordinary men, please. So the state police are going to do it because I can't believe this. This is great. The Albuquerque police chief, Harold Medina, said, I'm not enforcing this. And uh, what is it? Bernalillo, uh, Bernalillo County Sheriff John Allen said, I'm uneasy about it because it raises too many questions about constitutional rights. You're uneasy about it. I may want to do things. Me as a human, I may want to do things. But there are certain things that God granted all people that I am sworn to never violate. Stop being so mamby-pamby wussy. Step to the plate. You can say I feel uneasy because, but then step to the plate. This is a violation of God-given rights. Now, let me ask you. Why is it only 30 days? Why'd she only do this for 30 days? Just to take a breather? We all have to take a breather. No. Mm Mm-mm. I think she picked 30 days because it won't have time to get through court. And so if it's not challenged in court, does it stand if it's just temporary? Does it stand or not? I don't know. She did it, got away with it. Didn't go to court. This must go to court, all the way to the Supreme Court. 30 days, 30 seconds. You cannot violate the Constitution. Yes or no? It cannot be ambiguous. And I think that's why she did it. Now, listen to this story Sunday afternoon. Dozens of gun rights activists gathered in Old Town Albuquerque to voice their displeasure. Gun rights activists? Were they flown in from the NRA or, or gun owners of America? Who are, who are these people? Or are they just Americans concerned about the violation of their civil rights? There is a difference between an activist and a standard citizen standing up and going no but if they if they tag you as an activist you don't want to be an activist i don't want to be an activist last thing i want to be is an activist i would just like people to leave me my business my family alone and do the same for other businesses families and citizens leave us alone Protesters proudly displayed American, Gadsden, and and come-and-take-it flags. A man was holding a sign addressed to Grisham that read, Our founding fathers warned us about you. A woman was holding a sign that stated, Gun rights are women's rights. So far, those signs 100% accurate. A demonstrator proclaimed, This will not stand. We will not comply. Good. A woman identifying as an indigenous person. Oh, God. A woman identifying as an indigenous person told the crowd, The law doesn't protect us. Right. Another woman, we don't know what color she is. We had to identify the one indigenous person. Everyone else. We'll let you assume whatever race you think is really bad. Whites. Another white woman. Another woman said, our rights come from God and our privileges come from government. One speaker at the armed rally in Albuquerque, defying the gun carrying ban, told the crowd they need to go out and do this every day or else it wouldn't have an impact. There was one anti-gun demonstrator wearing a mask. But the gun activists gave him a chance to speak and then attempted to refute his claims. Oh, so they believed in free speech, too. Hmm. The Senate, the state, must justify... The carry pro- uh, prohibition by demonstrating that it is consistent with the nation's historic tradition of firearm red- regulation, but it is impossible for the state to meet this burden because there is no such historic tradition of firearms regulation in the nation. This, according to a new lawsuit, throughout the suit, the plaintiff cite a 22 Supreme Court decision that struck down the New York gun law. Good. Ron DeSantis ripped it. Ron DeSantis came out and said she she's now asserting the power to infringe on a Second Amendment right by executive fiat. An assertion is not surprising like this since 2020. Public health has become the pretext for depriving citizens of civil liberties and trampling on our constitutional rights. It ends when I'm president. Your Second Amendment shall not be infringed. Amen. Jonathan Turley said, this is absolutely unconstitutional. Can I add a couple things to this, Glenn? Yeah.
1: Uh, Ted Lieu, the congressman. Yeah. Democrat. We would Mm -hmm. agree on him on basically nothing. Nothing. And he would support all sorts of gun laws that we would consider unconstitutional. So this is not someone coming from our side of the argument. He wrote about this. "Uh, I support gun safety laws. However, this order from the governor of New Mexico violates the U.S. Constitution. No state in the union can suspend the federal constitution. There is no such thing as a state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. Huh. Now, I feel like a lot of Democrats for the last three years have been telling us there very much is a public health exception to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Constitution. However, you know, I think it's important to when someone is right to point out that they're right. And notice
0: what he said, though. Mm -hmm. It's a federal constitution. So Mm -hmm. no state. Mm -hmm can override uh, the federal constitution. He didn't say the feds can't override it. Yeah. No. And and believe me, we would
1: disagree with him on tons of stuff here. But it is true that the state cannot override it. And it's important uh, because there have been times, I mean, you know, you go back in history, you find plenty of times where uh, things were uh, done to the U.S. Constitution that I would not approve of at the federal level.
0: Uh, but the state certainly can't do it. Uh, so wait a minute. So so I don't understand this problem. Are you saying mm-hmm. that if there's a federal law, let's say on mm, I don't know marijuana, or um, gee, let me think of another one, uh, immigration status, that it causes a problem mm. when the state or the cities? disagree with the feds and just go their own way yeah you can't do that huh you can't
1: do that huh and this is a, an, uh, an increasing tactic done by the left you mentioned one tactic that they've attempted which is this idea of passing these crazy laws they know are unconstitutional but passing them for short periods of time the, the exact ruling that came out from new york what was it last year mm-hmm was that was a situation where this occurred they passed a gun law they knew i mean they had to have known it was unconstitutional it was blatantly unconstitutional and what they tried to do when they realized it got taken up to the court they tried to fight it on all the lower levels to try to say oh well you know th- for this reason it shouldn't you know shouldn't go to court and they mm-hmm. tried to win all those early uh, rulings they didn't they lost them all and once they lost them all they basically nullified their own law they withdrew the law Hoping that the court would say, well, the law doesn't exist anymore, so we can't rule on it. And the court, to their credit, said, no, that's not going to work. We're going to talk about this anyway, even though it's now supposedly moot because you ran away from the court. You it's tried to evade only the
0: court. It's only moot if you can stop the court from ruling on it. Mm-hmm. Then you can try it again. Yep. And again and again and again. So that is what she's trying to do here, I, 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 I believe. I am telling you. We are, and I've said this now for four years or so, we're one emergency away. We're one emergency away. All that has to happen, and it's got to be a major one, but we are a September 11th away from all of this. Going away, and
1: what they're trying to do now is just manufacture those September 11ths out of things like gun
0: violence problems or climate uh, change the, issues, the attack or- on the Capitol, which every American mm-hmm. was against. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this, George Floyd. Every American was against what happened. Every American. I don't know anyone who said, yeah. "Oh no, he was right. The cop was right." No, uh huh. I don't know a single one and they use that to divide us even though there was no division none none whatsoever they they not only manufacture things but then when we're all in alignment they still manufacture the division
1: and going back to January 6th here Glenn let me ask you this question and i mean this sincerely what's the real insurrection is it a bunch of idiots in horn hats ransacking the capitol or is it our a governor of a state overturning the second amendment by yourself is it the federal government saying you know what 500 billion dollars of student loans kapoof They're just gone forever is it uh the eviction moratorium that they just implemented Which one is really challenging our our civilization as it stands? Which one is doing it?
0: They're saying that September. uh, I'm sorry, uh, January sixth. We, which we were all united on, and still are pretty united now. The gray areas have started to come because of the way the FBI has handled this. But none of us are against the people who are breaking the glass and the windows and tearing everything up and came in hoods and helmets and everything else. We're None of us are against, uh, none of us are for that. But what they've done since then, they say that that group was trying to overthrow the Constitution. No, Stu is exactly right. It's what the courts and the FBI have done. Now they are causing the constitutional crisis. They are the ones... That's why, you know, people are like, we should secede. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. I stand by our founding documents as written. We haven't used them in about 100 years. So don't tell me they failed. We haven't used them, and beyond not using them, now we are in violation of them almost every single day. And it's not me. I'm not anti-government. I am anti-unconstitutional government. I'm fine when the government's playing, um, you know, in the rules. As long as they're playing by the rules, I'm perfectly fine. They're not playing by the rules, gang. Well, that's why we've got to not play by the rules. No, that makes us them. How about we try that old dusty document that no one has tried? Tell me what you want. Tell me what kind of country you want. Now, if you want a fascistic, you want one led by a strong leader, then you're going to have to go away from the Constitution. I want people to be free. To be left alone. To there for there is rule of law that we judge every man. Justice is blind. I, I want that one, and we already have the formula for that. I want that pulled off the shelf and actually applied. This is the best of the Glenbeck program. It is September eleventh. 2023, 22 years ago, I wrote an essay called The Greatest American Generation. I reread it this weekend and wondered how much of that is still true. How much of that do I still believe? How much has changed? Here's what I wrote. I've always believed that the greatest American generation is the one that is living in the here and the now. The question is not if this is the greatest American generation. The question is, will we wake up and become it? I remember staying at my grandparents' house in the summer when I was small. And every morning before, th- before there was even light My grandmother would open up the attic door from downstairs, these wooden steps, and she'd say, kids, it's time to wake up. My sister's usually bounded out of bed, but I was usually the one that it took her a few times before I'd lumber out of bed and cross the cold, squeaky wooden floor. But eventually I would, mainly because I could smell breakfast from the attic. My grandfather was always outside. He was already there. I think he had been there since probably four o'clock in the morning feeding the chickens. They were hardworking, good and decent people. Growing up seemed to me that they were, were from not only a different time, but also a different place. But they weren't. The spirit of our parents and our grandparents isn't from some foreign place. It hasn't died out. We've just not attended to it. It's a flame that flickers in all of us, and it is there ready to blaze again to life when we're ready to face the challenges that now lie at our feet. It's what sets us apart. It's what built this country. The average person did not cross the Rocky Mountains. I would have never done it. I don't know what that says about me, but I would have looked at those mountains. I would have looked honestly at the Missouri River and said, nope, not crossing that. No bridge. Build a bridge. I'll be back. The Rocky Mountains, not a shot. But people did it. This is what sets us apart. It's what built us. It's why our borders still teem with the poor and the tired and those yearning to be breathe free. I don't know about the people crossing our border now. But those immigrants that came to our shores, across our border, crossing an ocean... Most likely they were your relatives. They were my relatives coming here in the 18 and the 1900s. They were searching for a better way of life. The flame that Lady Liberty holds is the, hmm, we deem it the American spirit and it, is supposed to burn inside all of us, no matter what our race, our gender, our religious background. But it actually was originally built as a reminder to the people of Europe of the freedoms that allowed America to capture the creativity of human spirit. The flame that she holds is called imprisoned lightning. And it's a salute to the invention of the light bulb, perhaps the greatest invention of all time. It turned darkness into light, something that before Edison was truly in the realm of God. But now so much of what we have and experience today, it's it's just expected, it's normal, it's humdrum. But it isn't. Everything around us is truly as miraculous as the imprisoned lightning. Because it all started with an idea. The world is watching us. It's not new. It always has been watching us. Since the dawn of man, people dreamt of a better life, dreamt of a better way, dreamt of being free. They looked for Camelot, where a king wouldn't slaughter them and take everything they can. But Camelot was a dream. It was the iron fist of the king and all those he found favor with, who lorded Lorded their station above us and crushed the dream of bettering oneself and owning just a small patch of land that was theirs, that I could follow my heart and my passions. Man, it seems needed an ocean between the old ways and new ideas. That ocean is as small as a a backyard pond now. And there is no other place to go. It was Americans that finally found a way to build a better tomorrow for the individual. No promises. Just an honest effort. Out of all that we have built, the powerful machines, the computers, the weapons of mass destruction, the hardware and the software that we spend millions on every year to protect and keep our plans secret. Our biggest secret seems to be the one that the world wants most of all is not a secret It is something we used to freely give to the rest of the world, but now it seems we're so arrogant, we act as if it is a secret and we jam it down everybody's throat. It was the self-evident truths that all men are created equal. For some reason, that hasn't been really fully duplicated anywhere else. It's influenced so many countries around the world. It can't even be passed on from person to person. Let me say that again. It cannot be passed on from person to person, torch to torch. It has to be earned, it has to be lovingly taught. That's how you gain the American spirit. 22 years ago we were lucky enough not to be trapped in one of those towers or on a plane or in the Pentagon. When is the last time you gave thanks for the last 20 years? Not for our lives. But for the ability to have more time to Change our ways. God has not forsaken us. This is so crucial that we understand. He has been trying to awaken us. He has been standing at the bottom of the stairs and gently calling out, kids, it is time to wake up. We've been given another chance. And we don't get up. We got up for a few minutes and then fell back to sleep after 9 11. And then we had the crash of 08. Kids wake up. Then we've had everything from 2016 to today, over and over and over. It seems like every day he's like, get up. When and what will it take for us to actually get up and begin a new day? Thousands of years ago in Babel, the great civilization, in in their arrogance, built a tower to reach the sky. They wanted to be God. It didn't just crumble. God destroyed it, not out of anger, but out of love. He is God. We are not. The people were scattered. Our symbols of power and wealth crumbled before our eyes on that Tuesday 20 plus years ago. But what did we do? We built a bigger tower. We sought vengeance justice, and then I don't know what happened to us. I wrote at the time, Americans aren't ever going to scatter. Let the world recognize through our actions today that those firefighters in New York are not the exception. They are the rule. Because Americans don't run from burning buildings, we run into them. Is that still true? It was a beautiful fall morning. Right on the edge of the land created through divine providence. Our little coffee shops were open. Children were on buses. People were in the subway. People were in the streets. Some were just standing on the sidewalk soaking up that sun. People were easing into another typical work day when America's greatest generation heard the voice Kids, it's time to wake up. The task before us now is much more daunting than what our grandparents and parents faced. We must be stronger. We must be personally, spiritually, physically, temporally prepared because the torch has passed to us. Will we be the greatest American generation or not? Will the American experiment die with us or blaze again? More in a minute. The day has finally come to to a close and you ease yourself down into bed and then you stare up at the ceiling. What okay, what do I have to do? I gotta do this tomorrow. Oh man, I should write that down. Okay, so you're sitting there, and then you think I have to do all of this tomorrow in pain. In pain. Millions of Americans deal with the pain in their lives every single day. It's hard to go to bed, it's hard to go to sleep, it's hard to get up. Do something about the pain relief factor exists to give you back the life you love please just try it 1995 it's a trial pack we need everyone in the fight please just try to get out of pain with this. If it doesn't work, yes, you're out 20 bucks. But if it does, you're back in the fight. You're back in the game. 70% of the people who order it go on to order more. Try the three-week quick start. If it's not working for you in three weeks, it's probably not going to work. Relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. 800, the number four relief. 800 for relief. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds. Station ID. I remember in the days after September 11th. The feeling in the country was I want something to do. I, what do I do? What do I do? And the president said. Go shopping. Your patriotic duty was to go shopping. I was so offended by that. I remember in the time of World War II. My grandparents and my mom, my dad, would go out and they'd gather scrap metal from the neighborhood. Ours was to go shopping? We have given up so many freedoms. We have given broad power to the government in the name of safety. Well, we better not get onto the plane that TSA is there because they want to make sure that they get Muslim extremists. When's the last time you heard that? Now you may be the extremist. Drones are flying over our cities. The Department of Agriculture has its own SWAT team. The President of the United States is about to forgive all student loans, putting himself knowingly above Congress, For the first time, we're threatening to put a former president in prison along with his attorneys for questioning election results, something that was done every election by the same people who questioned every election they lost since 2020. They're now screaming, lock him up for doing what Al Gore's attorneys did legally in 2000. It is legal. When was the last time you ever saw a defendant's attorneys go to jail? I don't know if I've ever seen that. You can now scoop Americans right off the street without a warrant or trial. We know they eavesdrop on every keystroke or every utterance. Let's not forget that in Utah, the NSA has a storage facility for data holding all of their phone calls, emails, and electronic surveillance. That is five Times the size of the Capitol complex in Washington, D.C. Five times. How did we get here? Because we bought into the lie that our patriotic duty is to go shopping. To do something fun. It's not. Our patriotic duty requires work. It requires us to be informed. I never learned history I never learned the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or I never learned whatever in school great neither did I so what's our excuse now we cannot have a country if we don't understand our Bill of Rights what the hell are you fighting for I'm for fighting for America and the American way of life what is that what creates that The Constitution, the rule of law, the Bill of Rights. That's what creates it. What are we trying to create? The mission statement in the Declaration of Independence. Why did we break away from a country that we loved at the time in many ways? It's in the Declaration of Independence. Is there any relevance to that? Yes, most of it is being done now by our own government in spite of the Constitution. Tomorrow is September 12th. The biggest day in my life when I saw Americans being good and decent. We helped each other, we cared. When somebody said, how are you? We actually wanted the answer. We would hug strangers, ask them, talk to them. It's the last time you saw that. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. It is September 11th, 2023. 22 years ago, America changed forever. Uh, And I don't think our children can even begin to understand how different of a country we were before uh, September 11th. We've just completely changed, um, and some real reflection uh, should be done by all of us on what we've done since, since then. But I want to today take you back to September 11th, and Dave Isay from StoryCorps, he is with us now. Hi, Dave. Glenn, hi. How you doing? Very good. You know, I uh, I am proud that we're friends. Uh, I hate to use proud because it's yeah, one of the seven deadly sins. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually really proud that we're friends, Dave. You are one of the more honest, forthright, uh, and caring individuals. And I don't know your politics, but I know you do a lot of stuff with NPR and uh, and, and PBS and, you know, generally those people don't like me, um, but, uh, you've always been, you've always looked for a way to come together as we did on nine 11 and nine 12, uh, so many years ago. So thank you for that, Dave. Thanks for giving me the opportunity well, to be your friend. <laughs>
2: Well, it would it was it was never in question. You know, we I I think, you know, we've known each other for a while now and we we had each other from hello, you know, and I think we both we both really love this country deeply and care about the country deeply Um, and are patriots like the and I I also feel like I've gotten to know your your audience over over these years. And it's a privilege to know them as well. Um, And thank you for having me
0: on. You bet. So, Dave, in case you don't know, if you've ever listened to NPR, you might have heard of StoryCorps. And he goes out and they collect stories for the National Archives and collects all of the different stories of what people remember, what they did. um, And it's a snapshot into the American psyche and into time. And you're going to share something from uh, 9-11. How when were these recorded? so these yeah, um so we're we 've been around for about about twenty years, and
2: and yeah, I think it 's a snapshot in time. I, I also think it 's kind of collecting the wisdom of humanity,, yeah. and you know the way StoryCorps works is it 's two people who come to a booth we 've had about seven hundred thousand people do this, so you come with your grandmother, or your mom, and you honor her by looking in her eye and ask her about her life, um, mm. and we sometimes do big collections of stories when when it's important, like post 9-11 vets and their families. The first um, initiative we call those initiatives that we did was with 9-11 families wow. and everyone who lost a loved one on September 11th comes to StoryCorps to leave a record of their lives. And and while StoryCorps is usually two people um, with 9-11, sometimes people come uh, by themselves. And I think we're going to listen to one of those yeah, stories and that's... Uh, when they come by themselves. It's, it's, a facility, it's someone who works for StoryCorps who interviews them. Sorry,
0: Glenn, go ahead. That's all right. It's Beverly uh, Eckert. Can you tell us a little bit about her before we hear? Sure.
2: So this, this story um, that we're about to hear takes place 22 years and one hour ago. Um, Beverly mm-hmm. Eckert's husband, Sean Rooney, was in the South Tower of the World Trade Center when United Flight 175 struck the building. Um, and while he was trying to make his way to the roof of the World Trade Center, uh, he called his wife. Sean called his wife, Beverly. Okay. Uh, and she came to story court to remember their final conversation. Here it is. Listen. Sean
3: had warm brown eyes and dark curly hair, and uh, he was a good hugger. We met when we were only 16 at a high school dance. And When he died, we were 50.
0: Mm.
3: It was about 9.30 a.m. when he called. They told me he was on the 105th floor, and he'd been trying to find a way out he told me that he you know, he hadn't had any success, and now the stairwell was full of smoke. I asked if it hurt for him to breathe, and he paused for a moment and then said, no. He loved me enough to lie. We stopped talking about escape routes, and then we just began talking about all the happiness we shared during our lives together. I told him that I wanted to be there with him, but he said, no, no, he wanted me to live a full life. And as the smoke got thicker, he just kept whispering I love you over and over. They just wanted to crawl through the phone lines to him and hold him one last time. Then I heard a sharp crack followed by the sound of of an avalanche. It was the building beginning to collapse. I called his name into the phone over and over. Then I just sat there pressing the phone to my heart. I think about that last half hour with Sean all the time. I remember how I I didn't want that day to end, terrible as it was. I, I didn't want to go to sleep, because as long as I was awake, it was still a day that I'd shared with Sean. You know, and he kissed me goodbye before leaving for work. I could still say that was just a little while ago. That was only this morning. And uh, I just think of myself as living life for both of us now. And I like to think that Sean would be proud of me.
0: Holy cow. How many people, I mean, how many people on your staff uh, prompted these stories from people? I mean, that must have been beautiful and just heart-wrenching.
2: Well, it's it's a you know StoryCorps, and especially you know this initiative or or you know with with vets, a lot of these you know life is hard. It's a very very difficult job. Um, and again, you know most people are pairs when they come to the booth. And I have a, a kind of a uh, an even more tragic ending to this story, which is that um, Beverly was on flight thirty four zero seven to Buffalo uh in 2010 to commemorate sean's birthday and died in in that plane crash oh my god um do they they have children um, they did not have children they did not have children so um yeah no it's it's hard on Steph. and you know when when as in the intro to the segment you talked about how life was different before september 11th which is true but, you know, life is also different and, and in, in the, in, on September 11th and September 12th and the weeks after. I, I think you were in Connecticut then. I, I don't
0: I was in Tampa. I was in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. You were in Tampa. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I, and I don't know if it was true in Tampa, but, you know, after, after September 11th, for two weeks, for 10 days, for one week, we saw each other as Americans.
0: Oh, no, I think we... We knew we belonged uh, to one another. Yeah, I, th- I think you know, we, we saw each we other as our, people. as humans, as brothers and sisters. It was, you know. We loved strangers. We loved our neighbors. Yeah. We, We would stop. I remember, Stu and I were just talking about this last week. We were at the Outback Steakhouse that night. Yeah. And it had just been, you know, the day everybody had. And we went out into the parking lot, and there was somebody that we didn't know, we had never seen before, and they were just standing there kind of dazed, And we went over and talked to them and hugged them. And I mean, it was for as horrible as that was, it was the very next day. And later in that afternoon, it was one of the most beautiful times I've ever seen in America.
2: Ever. I I was in New York. I I, I feel the same way. I mean, we saw the truth of, who we are and how lucky we are to be alive and how precious life is and how all of our lives matter equally and infinitely. I mean, we were, we were Americans, you know, in the question, then we get to the point, the part that, that you said about how much things have changed yeah. because it lasted 10 days or two weeks. And how can we get that back again?
0: So Dave, would you join me again tomorrow? I know you have another clip, but I'd love to have you back tomorrow because tomorrow is the anniversary of something that we called the Nine Twelve project. And, uh, and it was, it was trying to remind people who we were on nine twelve, and that we need to serve one another and be those kinds of people. And I'm going to do something on that tomorrow. And I'd love to have you back and, and share something that, you know, where people are coming together that are, because that's your current project now, at least with, with with this audience is you're trying to, uh to show people in different audiences how how people can come together and they can live side by side, that we're not all that different. doesn't mean that there isn't evil out there and there isn't things we stand up for, but that we're people. We're still brothers and sisters.
2: Exactly, and most people, you know, there are there is evil out there, but, I mean, you know this, Glenn, I mean, mo- most people are good. I know. No matter what their politics are. Most people are good and we've forgotten that. I'd be honored to come back on tomorrow. Okay. Right. I think I'm on a plane, but but oh. hopefully hopefully um, let's 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 see what time I fly. Yeah, if and, not um, we'll so just try my best to come on.
0: Yeah. If not, we'll just just make sure we have some some additional things that we can show that you know, what what people are doing now uh, to try yes. to honor uh, who we really are. Dave, thank you so much for everything you do. If if you would like to be involved uh, in uh, StoryCorps, all you have to do is uh, is write to StoryCorps. Um, Dave, what is the exact address where you want people to go if they want to if they want to share? Dave, right, are you there?
2: Sorry, I. Yes, I was just uh, po- your producer had me on the line. Your oh, question sorry.
0: was um, where do people go to uh, if they want to share if they want to be involved in what you do.
2: So we'll talk tomorrow about One Small Step, which is our effort to bring the country um, together one story at a time. Strangers talking to each other across the political divides. And the Glenbeck audience is the number one driver of this project on the conservative side. So, so
0: um,
2: we want everybody, everybody, um, especially in our in the towns we're in, Wichita, Fresno, Fresno, and Richmond. And in 48 hours, we're opening up in a town in Georgia, which I, I can't
0: announce yet. But
2: okay. go to org. Take takeonesmallstep.org
0: and sign up to be a part of this work. And okay. we'll talk tomorrow, Glenn. Thank you so much, Dave. God bless. Na, 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 na.
2: The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste.